Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hello everyone and good morning. Welcome to One Cause Church. Today I want us to uh, turn to the book of Galatians chapter 6, titled today's message, What Are Friends For? Uh, but before we, we get into that, I, I want to just give a couple of announcements. Jer- Pastor Jeremiah is not here with us, obviously, as you saw, Heather received the offering today, but he's down in our Dallas campus because uh, Jennifer, my sister, and her husband, Derek, our resident pastors there, are down with Pastor Roxanne, actually, in Marble Falls, and she's missed Jennifer's preaching down there today. So we sent Jeremiah to cover our campus in Dallas, and for those of you who don't know or uh, do know, I just want to remind you and maybe inform you for the first time that we have several campuses. Uh, our, this is our main campus here in McKinney, but we also have one down in South Dallas and in Granbury, Texas, and in a little town called DeLeon, Texas. Uh, and in Dallas, we actually have two congregations there in our building because it's the neighborhood that our church sets in is about 85% Hispanic. Any Latinos in the room? No, you would know it if they were here. I mean, they would have already represented right there, all right? So if it's uh, anyway, Pearl's not here? Pearl's not here. Oh, Pearl's in Dallas. Yes, he's being loud down there. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, so, so we have a Spanish church there. Pastor Chris Quinones and his wife Mary Lou oversee our Spanish congregation. As a matter of fact, he graduated from Christ for the Nations on Friday, so we're really proud uh, that our pastor's actually qualified now to be a pastor. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, you have to have a diploma. Uh, no, it was, it's, uh, it's really great to see uh, what God's doing in their lives there, and uh, all, all of them, really. God is just doing marvelous things. I'm amazed at the influence God has given us as a church, and, uh, you know, we see it in one way here, but we're reaching out in lots of places. We're on podcast to 64 countries. That's amazing to me. It's amazing. 64 countries are hearing our message, and, you know, you're a part of that, and what you do here, and the way you serve, and the way you give makes all that possible, and I just want to thank you for that, because, Great things are happening in the kingdom of God, unseen things, but yet known because I, I hear back from people all the time about how they listen to our podcast and, and really enjoy it, and they, they can't wait to get next week's, and so it's, it's awesome to be a part of that. So welcome to all of you, my podcast. Uh, well, these two old men met up, and uh, they'd been friends for a long time, and they were catching up, and so one of them said, well, how's your wife? And he said, well, you know, I, I really don't know. I hadn't spoken to her in 20 years. And he said, spoken to her in 20 years? What's, what, what's wrong? He said, well, nothing wrong in particular. I just hate to interrupt. Uh, all right. You're welcome for that one. I'm probably not going to get any money for that today. That's all right. Let's just move on. On Wednesday nights, I started a, ser- a series this past Wednesday night. How many of you are here Wednesday night? How many of you enjoyed that Wednesday night? All right, I think it was a great start to a new series on Wednesday nights called Our God of Abundance. And we're walking through and giving overwhelming scriptural evidence, scriptural evidence of God and his abundance that he has provided for you. Now, that's an extraordinary thing because we're willing to receive from God forgiveness of sins. Aren't we happy about that? And even, even some of us dare to believe that he is our healer too. But something about this, God wanting you to prosper, people get choked up on it. I don't quite understand why. Yeah, I kind of understand why. Because, because people have a, a skewed idea of money. 
and its function in the earth. Many people are serving money in this world rather than money serving them. And money was meant to be a servant, never a master. All right? God has made you master over your money. That's his design. That's his plan. And so, and he has a plan for you to enjoy his abundance because he has the power to bless you. Let me just give you a little, is it okay if I just give you a little bit of what we're talking about Wednesday night? The first time God ever appeared in the scriptures as the name El Shaddai, we all know what the name El Shaddai means. Uh, 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 we, could, we could sum it up to the God of more than enough, all right? But it, I, I think there's even a more powerful thought behind it that he is almighty God. What, that's how you would read it in the scripture. I am almighty God or I am God almighty, and that is the word El Shaddai, or it means the God who has the power to bless you. And there's nothing in nature that can contradict that blessing. He, would, he, he, he can even supersede every law of nature to make sure that you get blessed. Because his blessing is more powerful than the laws of very nature. So that's why we don't depend on our circumstances all going right in order for us to, you know, to prosper. We, we don't depend on just the job, the, the boss making sure we get paid. We appreciate that, but that's not the ultimate of our source because the scripture says that God supplies our need according to his riches and glory. Let me just remind, hey, listen to me. If the wealthiest person ever known to man is your provider, how many of you believe that that's going to be an abundant provision? Yeah, and so he is the wealthiest. He lives in opulence in heaven, hallelujah. And he's designed you right here and right now. He's not just saving all that for up there in glory land. All right? He has abundance for you right now. But if you don't know him as El Shaddai, then you'll never reach up by faith to receive that from him, that abundant supply. We're willing to receive him as our forgiver. We're willing to receive him as our healer. But I want to challenge you and encourage you to receive him as the one who provides your needs, not according to, to what you need. Listen to me. Religion teaches you you only need to pray for what you need. That is a false, false teaching. That's what religion teaches you. It keeps you minimal. It tries to keep you to live a small, minimal life for fear of not wanting to be too greedy. But the scripture does not teach you that. The scripture teaches you that God came, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. The scripture says God is able to make all grace abound to you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Religion has cheated people out of this. Okay, I've got to stop preaching Wednesday night sermon. Come Wednesday nights. All right? It's going to bless you. Oh, I didn't say the first time God showed up as El Shaddai. It was to our father Abraham. He showed up with a new name. And by the end of that chapter, Abraham got a new name too. It's awesome. Okay. Everybody say, the failure. The fix. And the finger. Not the finger that you see in traffic. All right? <laughs> say it. The failure. The fix <laughs> and the finger. All right. Everybody hold up this finger here. All right, for just a moment. All right. We'll get to that in just a moment. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. What are friends for? Look at this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. If a man is overtaken in any trespass. This is speaking of failure. 
And the trespass means failure, sin. Um, but here's the thing. That is interesting about that. I want, I want us to focus on that for just a moment. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, all right? Any, say any trespass. Or you say it like that, any sin. All right? Then he says, you who are spiritual, restore. Okay, wait a second. This is a big statement. And I, I want us to just think about what this is truly saying to us today. All right? If... A person is overtaken in any trespass. And the word for overtaken, if you like to do any kind of uh, Greek study in the scripture, this is a really awesome study. It really, the connotation behind overtaken is, is that he's trying to run from, he's trying to conceal or trying to run from his sin, the, the thing that he has just committed, but yet he's caught in the act. All right? It's somebody who did not have time to conceal or cover up the lie. Now get ready for this. This isn't someone who has fallen to their knees and saying, I'm so sorry, I need help. This is somebody who is running. All right? This is somebody who is blatantly trying to cover up the mess. And this says, if somebody is overtaken, you who are spiritual, restore them. Whoa. See, it's easy for us, it's easy for us to help those who are asking for help. Right? I mean, that's a given, right? Hopefully that's a given. Somebody, but if somebody is blatantly in their sin, if somebody is, is trying to conceal what they've done, we're not so quick to lend a helping hand. Right? Because we've bought into that kind of worldly philosophy that says this, that people think the Scripture says it, but it was actually Ben Franklin. I, I, I know he, he made the phrase... Famous. I don't know if he actually coined it, but I do know that it became popular through him, and that is God helps those. You know it. God helps those who help themselves. But here's the problem with that. The scripture says, while we were helpless, while we were yet sinners, Christ helped us. Christ died for us. So that's not how God works. He helps the helpless. He's a hope to the hopeless. He's a father to the fatherless. All right? See, this is what, this is what, this is the mark of Christianity. It's different from everything else. Everything else is tit for tat. Everything is, everything else is you do good, then you'll get good. You do bad, you do bad. And on one level, that is true because what you sow, you reap. But there's also this higher law called the law of love. There's also this higher law called the law of faith, called the law of grace. All right? And this is the law that God is trying to bring us all up to because, see, it's easy for us to justify someone who is righteous. It is. It's easy for us to do that. If you did, a, if you did not do a crime, yet you were accused of that crime, and then you were acquitted, the evidence showed that you were acquitted of that crime, that you were innocent, then we would all say, well, yeah, he's justified. But see, this is not how God's justice works. The scripture says that he justifies the ungodly. Wow. He justifies the ungodly. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking here. That sounds a little too good to be true. Why would God do something like that? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. I don't, I don't know. Except that he loves us. 
And that his love is so great for us that he was willing to do everything it took to have us restored to him. Even give up his own son's life. Even give up his own son and blame him. Be willing to blame Jesus for every wrong that we had ever done. Jesus, who was innocent, who'd never done anything wrong, God put all the blame that you and I did on him. All the evil stuff. Think of, well, I don't want you to think about the worst thing you've done. I mean, praise God, you know. But we do think about the worst things that we've done, with the things that we've said and the places we've gone and, ugh, right? And you think about Jesus took all that upon himself and all the payment and all the punishment for it upon himself and God credited Jesus with all of that nastiness and then he looked at you who were ungodly and said, I'm going to credit you now with righteousness. I'm going to call you reconciled. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Contrary to popular legalistic preaching, God is not looking at the world and seeing all this sin, 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 sin. Otherwise, he did Jesus a great injustice. Either Jesus took away all of our sins or he didn't take any of them away. So God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. See, God is looking at a reconciled world. But Paul said, here's, this, here's the deal. I mean, that's really good news. God set you up. Matter of fact, he set you up so good, he wrote everybody's names in heaven. He wrote already, by Jesus Christ, he wrote everybody's names in heaven. But, but the scripture teaches us in Revelation that when we show up to heaven, to him who overcomes, I won't blot his name out. Well, the word for overcome is the very same word that's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So really what Revelation is teaching us when we stand before him is he who has faith. He who is born of God, he, I will not blot out his name. But here's the thing. Everybody's names have been written there because God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. But we have one simple part to play in this. That is to believe it. And it's at that moment that name becomes forever etched in heaven. It's no longer written by a dry erase marker. <laughs> It becomes embossed, engraved. The moment we say, yes, we agree, the gospel is what we need. It's the gospel of Christ that saved me. It's Jesus that died for my sins. It's Jesus who was buried. It was Jesus who rose again from the dead for my sins. And therefore, I believe in him that he is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my only hope for salvation. Hmm? So, because this is God's standard now... Say this with me. Grace is God's standard. Say it again. Grace is God's standard. That's why this is helping us to not get caught up in a, the kind of failure that someone has. Because we're quick to do that. I mean, no, nobody here, of course. I mean, you guys are completely judge-free, and I appreciate that, that I can pastor a church where nobody see. Everybody has rose-colored glasses on here. You all are perfected, Right? Paul said, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. In other words, we're not looking at people's faults and failures. We regard each other as precious in the sight of God. Somebody that God must have. 
somebody that God must heal, God must restore. And we're going to do our part in helping in that process, no matter, no matter the kind of failure it is. He says if he's overtaken in any trespass. Yeah, somebody lies, you know, I, 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 can, I can probably talk to them about that. But, you know, if somebody falls into homosexuality, oh, my gosh, that's completely out of my league. Really? Any trespass. God forgave all your nasty sins. Huh? So he's teaching us. Watch this. Watch this. This is powerful. It says, you who are spiritual. Let's bring that back up there. Restore such a one in a spirit of... Whoa. Restore. Doesn't matter the trespass. This is what they're saying. Any trespass. You restore them. Thank you. In a spirit of gentleness. Don't be too dismissive when you hear what kind of sin they might be in. Let's not forget where we came from. Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, that we're only one decision away from a really bad decision. Hmm? Any one of us at any time are capable of falling on our face. And some of us have been pretty good at it. Huh? If anyone is overtaken in any trespass, yours, but restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Wow. You who are spiritual. Hey, let me tell you something right now. That's not talking about the pastors. He's talking to a church here. All right, say this with me. I am the spiritual. I have a responsibility to help my brothers and sisters. All right? So we have the failure, but listen to me. We've got to talk about the fix for a moment. This is the fix right here in a spirit of gentleness. Do you understand that it doesn't matter the, the degree of sin, that gentleness is the answer? Gentleness is the answer. It's the kindness. It's the goodness of God that lead us to repent. It's his goodness Because here's the thing, we who are spiritual, okay, who, what, does that, what does that mean, you who are spiritual? It just means those who are filled with the Spirit and those whose lives are governed, therefore, by the Spirit. How many of you are filled with the Spirit today and you've decided that your life is going to be governed by the Spirit? Then you all qualify as spiritual, all right? That you are filled with the Spirit and you, you choose to be governed by the Spirit. So therefore, this isn't about us perfect people trying to tell imperfect people what to do, all right? Because in the spirit, we already are perfect. In the flesh, we're far from it. <laughs> so this is about us leading each other to the spirit. All right? Even if I've got my own issues, even if you have your own issues, we can still help each other out because we're looking to Jesus. Right? We've got to help lead each other in gentleness. Help restore one another in gentleness. And that's only going to happen in the realm of the Spirit, not by any kind of flowery words that we can come up with. I promise you, we cannot conjure up the philosophy and the wisdom to help somebody get set free. It's all in the Word. I was picking weeds in my front yard the other day. And this is a great time to pick weeds, by the way, if you, you know, are apt to do that or don't want to do it but uh, and find it difficult. Right now, the ground is so saturated with water. I mean, you can walk out there and just pick them right out. And my, my yard has... Uh, well, a little assortment of different kinds of weeds. I'm trying to get rid of those things. But they're all, but you know, I found about all those weeds, they all came out the same way. 
Didn't matter the, the kind of weed it was. They all came out the same way. I just reached down and just pulled them out because they were all in that saturated ground, so the root system was a bit loose in there. Hmm? And so I could just gently reach down and pull that weed out. This is how we restore. You restore your brothers and sisters in a spirit of gentleness. Hmm? But if, but if you bite at one another and if you compare yourself and you talk down to someone who is overtaken by sin, guess what? It's not going to work. That kind of stuff has never worked. We used to sing this song when I had a band, point your finger at me and I'll bite it off. I don't need you to tell me how to live, finger pointer. It's a band called Nobody Special, if you want to look them up sometime. They are a Christian, I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, the spiritual person, here's the thing, is not, is not moved or, 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 or persuaded by the kind of trespass, but more so by the power of God. They understand that it doesn't matter what your failure is, let me help you fix that. Let me get up under this burden with you and help you remember something, that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And I believe more in the power of grace and love, the love of God, than I do in the power of sin. And if you come back to him, if you'll turn to God and realize that he's not angry at you, but you can come boldly right now before the throne of grace and obtain mercy, his, his arms are wide open to you. Because you're not an employee in the kingdom of God. You're not a slave trying to please a master. You are a son who has a right always to come before the, the throne boldly because now God is not just the great holy God in heaven. Now he's your father. So that, therefore, everything that he has, you have. The scripture says you have an inheritance with Christ Jesus. That is, whatever Jesus gets, you get. Wow. Okay, that's really good preaching, man. Any trespass, any trespass. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, back in chapter 5 and verse 14, it says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus said it like this. However you want to be treated, that's how you treat others. Love them as you want to be loved. You love them as yourself. Hmm? How many of you are married in here? Yeah? When you got married, guess what? You got burdens. Right? I'm not talking about the person as a burden. I'm talking about whatever burdens they had, you got. Right? Whatever trouble they've been, they go through, you go through that too. That's part of walking together in love, in sickness and in health. Right? Remember all the things that you promised one another? And then when you got to those things, you were like, oh my gosh. This is not as easy as it was the day I said, yeah, I'll do all that. Right? Unfortunately, it's easier to get a divorce than it is to stick it out. I'm not here to throw rocks. I'm just here to help. All right? Y'all aren't supposed to get quiet there. You're supposed to love me. Okay. Then, that, then there are these burdens that come along too. And Maddie and Laurel and Dylan or whatever your kids' names are. Right? And you, 
And, and a friend is someone that you can, you can lay your burdens on them, and from time to time they can lay your burdens on you, and, and you can still be friends after all is said and done. Because a friend is somebody who knows everything about you, and they're going to stick around anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, family, they don't really have a choice. You're stuck with your relatives. Right? But a friend is rare. A true friend. I want to just say this to you. I have people tell me this, and I'm not, I don't know if it's anybody here today. I don't really have a face to the, to the phrase I'm about to say, but I, I want to just encourage you. You know, as, as your pastor, part of my responsibility and my honor is to help bear your burdens. So it, it grieves me a little bit whenever any of you come to me and say, Pastor, I don't want to burden you. Well, then why are you calling me pastor? Because that's what I'm here for. All right? Burden me. Amen. I'm here for you. I'm here on, I'm called to do this, all right? God brought us together. You're never burdening me. I mean, if you are burdening me, that's, that's part of the call. That's part of my function, right? And if you don't want to burden anyone, then really what you're saying is, I don't want any part of this brotherhood. I don't want any part of this family. I just want to be a bystander that shows up at church and checks for religious duty, went to church. Good for the week. Right? But the truth is, my family, we are family. And if you're in a family, you understand that there's kind of a mess in the family at times, right? Stuff happens. But if we can be big enough people to, to be able to not be caught up in each other's faults and point fingers, but rather to come along somebody who's weak and say, let me help you. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me under, let you understand I'm here with you in, in your weakness. I'm not here to judge you. Because I know who I am, and I know the sins that I've been forgiven. I owe God for the rest of my life to walk in nothing but forgiveness and help others along the way. All right? So, I hope this is helping you today. Because the Scripture says, when, a member, when one member in the body suffers, all the members suffer with it. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice together. Amen. One member rendering aid to another. And you are all members of the body of Christ. So don't give in to those temptations to dismiss somebody just because, you know, uh, don't write them off too quick. You know? Because you'll be tempted to do all those things, to, to, to compare your faults with theirs. And, and one thing about comparing faults, we always, we always tend to, when we, if we do this, is to to compare our less faulty faults <laughs> with their faults, <laughs> right? But on the scale of, of God's scale, it's all the same. And as long as you have a choice, remember this, my family, as long as you have a choice, you are always capable of falling. You always are. I'm not saying you're going to. I'm just saying you have the capability to. That's the power of free will. God says you can choose me or you can not choose me. Okay. And you know what? The reason it's important for us to have this spirit of gentleness is because the Scripture says we have a high priest who has passed into the heavens. Think about Jesus who died for our sins, who rose from, that, from the dead, powerful, Lord over all, you know, crushed the head of the devil and, and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now he's ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. There's no higher seat of authority, no more powerful position that anyone could be in. And yet the Scripture says he sympathizes with our weaknesses. You know why? Because he walked this earth. 
He mingled with people, and he was in all points tempted just like we are, yet he didn't sin. That's all I'm saying. You're just one choice away. All of us are. That's why we don't beat each other up. We bear each other up. Huh? Amen. And then lastly, everybody say the finger. <laughs> Verse 3 of Galatians 6. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he's lying. He's lying. Everybody take your finger now. And let's point it in the right direction. All right? Mm. All right? Keep your finger pointed at you and you alone. All right? Because if we'll do self-evaluation, if we will keep our finger pointed at ourselves, guess what? Other people won't have the opportunity to point their fingers at us. That's what Jesus said. If you judge yourself, nobody else will judge you. All right? And this is how you can be a true friend that you have, a, you have actually a humble position about who you are so that you can know I am ready and willing and able to help somebody else at any time because I know that I'm just one choice away. And I would want somebody else to come along and bear me up and not beat me up should I fall. Good preaching, Pastor Eric. All right, we're going to go to one last scripture. Matthew chapter 26. Can you hang on with me? Everybody awake out there? All right, come on. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he needs you to stay awake. Just a few more minutes. I know you're hungry. Did you guys watch the horse race yesterday? Wow, what a run by American Pharaoh, huh? What, a, what should we, uh... never mind. Better stop right there. All right. Yeah. Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 32. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. This guy is saying he's one thing that he is not. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never do that. You're setting yourself up for failure if this is how you talk. I would never do that. Be careful. You're just one choice away. Watch. I will never be made. Jesus said to him, this had to sting so bad. Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And watch, in here, he's in denial already of what Jesus just said. Look at the next thing. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples, me neither, Lord. Now watch. We're going to jump down to uh, verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. Next. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said, those who were, th those who were there said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth, verse 72. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. Verse 73, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them, for your speech 
betrays you. <laughs> You're darn right, his speech betrays him. Look at verse 74. Then he said, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. Immediately a rooster crowed. Verse 75. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Because Jesus called him out. Because Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves or are willing to admit about ourselves oftentimes. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus restored Peter. So much so that Peter would be the one who would stand up in the book of Acts chapter 2 when they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and explain to everybody in the room what was going on and preach the gospel and 3,000 people would come into the kingdom of God that day. This guy became that guy, right? Because Jesus got up under his burden with him hmm? and helped restore him. And he calls us all to be that kind of friend, that kind of brother, that kind of sister, to not be finger pointers at anybody else but ourselves, but to be willing and ready to run to somebody's aid despite the kind of trespass or sin they may have committed, that we look past all of that and we see that it is grace that they need, it's help that they need, it's wisdom from God that they need, it's love, and it is a peaceful embrace from us. Father, thank you for this time together in your presence. Lord, I thank you for all of these who have come here today. And I pray, God, that they would all, Lord, experience what Paul said, that they would, that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you, Lord. What, whatever adjustments that need to be made here, attitude adjustments, even just toward other people, Lord, maybe there are some who are sitting in here today who have been pointing that finger. Who, who, have, who have faced a difficult person, family member, loved one, over and over again to where they've become jaded. I pray right now, Father, that they would be able to experience your grace to be a help, to be a strength, to be one who continues to speak hope and life and to not be persuaded by any trespass, but only by the grace of God. So that we all, Lord, are able to freely and willingly at any time bear up with one another and help strengthen one another. Because, Lord, in this earth we have trouble. In this earth we have tribulations. In this earth we have trials. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of the church where we can come together and be strong together and encourage one another and build each other up, Lord. So that, so that we understand that we're not fighting alone, even though sometimes it feels like we're all alone. But, Lord, we know that we've got brothers and sisters that have our back. And even when we stumble and fall, Lord, we can come to them and they can come to us and we can, we can encourage one another and talk these things out so that we can become stronger, Lord. So that the stumbling would be less frequent. The sinning, Lord, would be less frequent, Lord. We would remember the cause why we're here. We are the body of Christ in the earth. We are sons of God. We are lights here. We are salt of the earth, God. We're not here to get tripped up by this earth. We're here to change this world. Help us to remember who we are, God, so that we will do what we know to do in Jesus' name. Bless everyone here today under the sound of my voice. Bless them, God. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Amen.
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.